أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حيا على صلاة على الصلاه حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فقال تبارك وتعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون Respected elders and brothers in Islam الحمد لله الله سبحانه وتعالى has blessed us with yet another Jumu'ah. And inshallah, this will be the fourth Jumu'ah for the month of Ramadan. It's not often that we get five Jumu'ah in the month of Ramadan. So how fortunate we are, the month of Ramadan and an extra Jumu'ah as well. Now, this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, perhaps everyone knows it here. We have heard this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu kutiba alaykum usiyam, kama kutiba ala alladheena min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon. We have heard it over and over again, our entire lives. We've been hearing this in the month of Ramadan, and very often, even before the month of Ramadan, as we are being trained and prepared for the month of Ramadan, we hear this ayah. But how deep do we reflect on this ayah? Then what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually want from us? This whole exercise for this one month that we are seeing, this out of the ordinary experience that we go through, that we fast the whole day. And not only fast the whole day, but after we open our fast, when we are tired, again, we have to make taraweeh salah. Then we have to get up again early in the morning for suhoor. It's a whole process. It's a 24-hour process, the month of Ramadan. And we ourselves will wonder where we get the energy for this. This is nothing than spiritual strength from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the object of this whole exercise, this day in, day out, the same pattern. Our whole day and night is revolving around the masjid mainly. And around good deeds, hasanat, a'mali salih. And our whole day and night is revolving around good. And very seldom people do wrong in the month of Ramadan. Unfortunately, we get that as well. But it's very seldom fine few between generally the mood and the atmosphere is to do good deeds. Little, little children are making tilawat of the Quran. It is to attain one thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, taqwa. La'allakum tattaqoon. Now, very often we interpret taqwa as the fear of Allah. 
Taqwa is not the fear of Allah. That's khashiyatillah. To have fear is khawf. So that's the fear of Allah. This is another aspect of our deen that encompasses our very being in this dunya. That is the Allah consciousness in everything we do. Not only in the month of Ramadan. Fasting has been prescribed for us. Why? So that we attain taqwa and it endures us for the next 11 months to the next Ramadan and our entire lives. Taqwa has been mentioned approximately 250 times in the Quran. The Allah consciousness a person needs that I am doing all this. Whatever I am doing in my life, my Allah is watching me. Wherever I am, my Allah is watching me. In privacy, Allah is watching me. In public, Allah is watching me. With my family, Allah is watching me. With my spouse, Allah is watching me. With my dealings with people, my Allah is watching me. So in every aspect of our life, the Allah consciousness, in Allah, alaykum raqiba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ever watching upon us. So this is the object so that we have Allah consciousness. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he recited the Masnoon Khutbah, the Khutbah of Nikah, there also he chose three ayat which have taqwa. Why? Allah consciousness, how you're going to deal with your wife. Allah consciousness, how the wife will deal with her husband. So in every aspect of our life from birth to death, it's about Allah, Allah, Allah consciousness. So all this effort we are making in the month of Ramadan, the fact that we are fasting, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, so many people, they fast, what do they achieve? They just achieve hunger and loss of sleep. Nothing but that. All they obtain in the month of Ramadan is staying hungry for no reason and losing their sleep. They haven't achieved the true essence of taqwa in the month of Ramadan. And this is spiritual energy that Allah gives us that we can do this whole 24-hour cycle in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how do we preserve these good deeds? These good deeds, mashallah, people in the month of Ramadan, you see them attached and glued to the masajid throughout the world. Alhamdulillah, in the haram of Makkah Mukarramah, just last week, there were one million people in the haram of Makkah Mukarramah. One million people making the ibadah of Allah in one place. In Africa, perhaps the largest congregation was in Morocco at the King Hassan Masjid. 800,000 people in Salah, at, the, at Isha Salah. 800,000. Imagine so many people dedicating themselves to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How beautiful indeed. But now the preservation of these good deeds. One is to do the good deed and one is to know whether that good deed is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you look at the lives of the Anbiya alayhi salam, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam, all the Anbiya alayhi salatu salam, after they did any good act, they would turn to Allah hoping for acceptance. That, Ya Allah, accept what I have done. Ibrahim alayhi salam and his son Ismail, when they built the Kaaba al-Sharif, what did they say? Rabbana taqabbal minna. Oh Allah, accept this from us. So accept our deeds, because acceptance we do not know whether we have been accepted in the court of Allah. Hafiz Abdul Rahman Mia, Rahimahullah, he was a very famous person in the Transvaal. He used to work for the Waterfall Institute, Mia's Farm as it's known more commonly. And he came down from India as an accountant for the Mia family. And then something changed his heart and he went into teaching the Quran in Majid. And for most of his life, he taught the Quran at the end of his life, somebody mentioned to him that Hafiza, it's well known that over a thousand children have become Hafiz by you. Over a thousand people became Hafiz by you. What an accomplishment that thousand people had memorized the Quran and 
What was his reply? I will only know on the day of Qiyam. I will only know this on the day of Qiyam. I do not know whether this has been accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's look at few points that we can bring into our lives and become conscious of and implement them in our life. So the first thing we need for our deeds to be accepted is correct aqidah. Our deen is built on aqidah. Foundational belief. What is my belief system? What do I believe in? What is my aqidah? The Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. We need to understand what is aqidah. And here I just want to bring something very briefly on aqidah. That we see a trend today, especially in our females. And especially high school, university females. Those who are educated particularly. That you will find that, for example, when it comes to aqidah, they will be sympathetic to the homosexual cause. To the LGBT, they'll be sympathetic. They may not practice it, but they have their sympathies. Whether it's their social media accounts, they will have a rainbow flag there, showing their solidarity with those people who Allah is cursed. So that takes you out of the whole of Islam. If one is an active homosexual, na'udhu billah, or a lesbian, then a person is not out of the fold of Islam. A person at the most is sinful. But if a person sympathizes with something, which Allah haram Allah, which Allah has made haram, that takes a person out of the fold of Islam. So it's something that we need to speak to our young daughters about, especially, and conscientize them, that if you go against the ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you will be from those people, that do not incline to those people who have oppressed against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why the fire of Jahannam may touch you. The one who decides on anything against what Allah has decided. What Allah has revealed. Then those people are from the kafirun. So this is an important aspect of our aqidah. Like that, there are so many other issues of our aqidah. For example, considering the Shia to be Muslim, when we know that they are clearly out of the fold of Islam, the vast majority of them, and when we say to them a Shia Muslim, they're not Shia Muslim, they are not Muslims in the first place. A Muslim is a person who has the aqidah of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So we need to be very conscious, and sadly today, so it, it's breaking news that the Iranian embassy has opened after seven years in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. All ties have been normalized. This is the news of the sad news of the day that the Shia have now put their ugly footprint back in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia officially via the embassy. So this is the issue of Aqidah. Then the next issue is our correct intention. And in everything that we do, we check our intentions. If we see the six points that the Jama'at al tabligh also, one of the six points is the correction of intention. What is the correction of intention? Al-ikhlasun niya. When somebody asks, when Sahabi asks Nabi Karim Sallallahu Mal Iman. What is Iman? He says, Al-ikhlas. Sincerity. What is sincerity? To do something solely and only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to impress man, not to have any share in impressing anybody to do something that is called ikhlasun. If you look at all the hadith of the, the kutub of a hadith, 
Then they, most of them begin, Imam Bukhari rahimahullah, Imam Marawi rahimahullah, all the kitab, the saddle of the first hadith, innamal a'malu bin niyat, and most of us know that hadith also, that our actions will be judged according to our intentions. And the hadith goes on. So why did they bring this hadith at the beginning of the kitab? Why? To conscientize themselves that I am the khatib, I am the compiler, the writer the, of this kitab. Let me have sincerity of intention. And the reader, when he's reading, he'd start off with this, he must have sincerity. And the publisher, when he's publishing, he must be sincere. When he's publishing this kitab, so innamal a'amalu bimiyat. And we know that there'll be categories of people who will be flung in the fire of Jahannam. We don't have time to go into that. But ikhlasuni, everything that I do, then if my deeds have, are bereft, are devoid of ikhlas, then they are unacceptable in the sight of Allah. So all our fasting, all our ibadah, our tahajjud, if it's not done with sincerity, then it's devoid of acceptance and barakah. So the third aspect is halal consumption. Now when we think of halal, we generally only think of food. And the food must be halal. It must be approved by this halal authority or that halal authority. Here we're speaking about halal consumption. Hazrat Mulana Abdul Haq Umarji, rahimahullah, who over 20 years ago, he used to come quite often to our masjid. And most of his bayan is to center around halal. And he is to quote a hadith of Rasulullah very often as well. And that hadith is uh, uh, regarding a musafir. Nabi explained about a musafir that a person is traveling. His hair is full of dust. And his beard is full of dust. His clothing is full of dust. He's disheveled. He's tired. He's in a state of fatigue. And he raises his hands. He says, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. Accept my dua. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi explained, how can Allah accept his dua? Despite his pitiable condition, how can Allah accept his dua? When his food is haram, when his clothing is haram, when the conveyance he's using is haram, all these things are from haram sources of wealth. How can his good actions be? How can his dua be accepted? So we worry much about the food that we partake of. That was this, that's very important. And halal, not only halal, but toyyib food. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran to the Anbiya, to the Rusul, to the messengers, Ya ayyuha rusul, kulu mina toyyibati wa'amalu saliha. Ya ayyuha rusul, kulu mina toyyibati wa'amalu saliha. That all messengers, this is messengers, the choices of Allah's creation, that eat mina toyyibat, what is wholesome. Halal is one aspect, what is wholesome also. Kulu mina toyyibati wa'amalu saliha. And do good deeds. So we can see there's a co-relationship between eating halal, eating qayyim, and doing good deeds. Now, it is so sad that day after day or week after week, we come across some scandal of some Muslim who has embezzled funds. We come across, uh, unfortunately, so many Muslim names we see in the media. That so-and-so is convicted. So-and-so is convicted because of fraud, because of embezzlement, because of khiyana of amana. Because of not fulfilling amana. And how sad this is. That to see a Muslim person in the front, in the front pages of the newspaper, in the front pages of the media, in the electronic media to see a Muslim person. And this, this is the importance that we should be giving to halal consumption. So that's one aspect, eating halal and halal consumption. If we, if our source of income is haram, then everything follows that is haram. If our income is haram, then that extends to our home, to our conveyance, to our clothing, to each and everything that we possess, that follows on. 
So the importance of Sumbalana Umazi rahimahullah, going back to what he used to say, he says, Alhamdulillah, in my entire life, I haven't paid or taken a cent of interest. My entire life, I haven't taken or paid a cent of interest. Sometimes we think that, okay, if I don't take interest, but I have to pay, it's okay. It's a lesser of the two. No, it's not a lesser of the two since Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Curse the person who takes it, the one who gives it, the one who is a scribe of it, the one who records it. All those people in that category have been cursed by Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then the next category, the next thing we should be mindful of is refrain from jealousy. So these are all things that to preserve our good deeds. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Beware of jealousy. Because jealousy eats up good deeds like how Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi explained how fire eats up dry wood or dry grass. It's something that we sometimes overlook that it's a cause of us losing our good deeds. Why must we be envious of the next person whom Allah has bestowed with any ni'mah? That was the choice of Allah. It's His prerogative. He's the owner. He's Malikul Mulk. He gives and He distributes as He wishes. Yes, to aspire to have something is not haram. But to have jealousy or envy for a person that a person has ill feeling for one another on whom Allah's na'mat has fallen, that is haram. That is totally prohibited in the sharia. And today, unfortunately, we make people, we lead people to that cause, especially via the use of social media. Social media has become, while it is so beneficial to us, such a beautiful technological tool, the advantages are so great, but the disadvantages are so great. Our Ustad Manan Abdul Haq Makada, he deals with a lot of marital cases. He says that it has become a hell phone, not a cell phone, but a hell phone. And in reality, it has become like that. Today, that what is supposed to be private, there were days when people cherished their privacy. Today, a person wants to expose each and every aspect of his life, upload it, upload it on any platform so that somebody must see, to show off. There's nothing else but showing off that I'm in this exotic destination. I just had that for Syria. I just had that for Iftar. I'm traveling here. I'm traveling there. I'm in the first class here. I'm here. Why do we need to make our private lives public? So this we lead people to have envy and jealousy. And there are very few well wishes that we have out there. Nabi Sallallahu said, Al-Ainu Haqqun, that the eye is true. What you refer to is another. That, and then we want to run to the Tawizwalas and to the Amirs and 90% of them are chores and they are bogus. And then we want to run to this Amil and that Amil when a child or somebody has been affected by another. So we, while we take all precautions, we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why must we pave the way for somebody to have hasad over us or, or make another upon us? The last thing is that hukuful ibad. Then included in this, we go on to hukuful ibad, we'll, we'll cover a few things in hukuful ibad. There's a lengthy hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu when he questioned the sahaba that who is a bankrupt person, who is a muflis person. And the sahaba replied in their simplicity and honesty that a person has got no wealth, he's got no dirham, dinar, so no wealth, walamata, he's got no wealth, he is an insolvent person. So Nabi Sassam agreed, yes, technically. But who's the real witness? Who's the real insolvent person? Nabi Sassam explained that that person who on the day of Qiyamah, he'll come with a lot of good deeds. He'll have many, many good deeds. 
He'll have a lot of salah, a lot of tahajjud, a lot of roza, a lot of ibadah. He built so many masajid. He built so many madaris. He took care of so many orphans. He took care of so many widows. He did such and such good deeds. And then on the day of Qiyamah, there'll be plaintiffs at his door who will come there. But Ya Allah, that will be the day when the deeds, when the justice scales will be opened. When Allah's justice will be seen on that day. So as they say, we can get away with it here. We can get away with it there. We can't get away with it in the Akhirah. There there is accountability. There the justice will be served. Fully served. Because Allah is adil. He's most just. So a person will make claims against this person. Nabi Sallallahu gave the description of this person with many good deeds. That so and so. He struck me. He hit me. So and so he hit me unjustly. He did this to me unjustly. He called me something that I didn't like. He mocked me. He did this to me. He backbited about me. While we think that backbiting is something small, but Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that riba is worse than zina. We will frown on zina, but we won't frown on riba. What is riba? Riba is to speak bad about our Muslim brother. Behind his back, something we will not tell him on his face. And then to take it further is to make bhutan, to slander a person. To say, say something about somebody that he's not even guilty of. How often we just hear something and we just forward it to the next person. We just carry tales, we gossip about something we're not even sure. We just heard something and we just gossip about it. Like in a marital case, for example, in the Jamiat, when we deal with marital cases, we always hear two sides of the story and then we tell them there's a third side of the story. That's your side, that's your side, and there's a truth also. There's not two sides to the story, there are three sides to the story. Everyone exaggerates their own cause, but there's a truth also, which Allah is aware of. So there's sometimes, there's always three sides to the story. So before we become judge, jury, and executioner in everyone's life, which we shouldn't be doing, the beauty of a man's Islam is that he shuns what doesn't concern him. Min husni Islam il mar'i. That from the beauty of a man's Islam is, doesn't worry about what doesn't concern him. It doesn't concern me. What's happening where, there. It's in my business. Let me just do what's my, let, let me, let me worry about my akhirat. Let me worry about my cover. Let me worry about my hashar. My accountability to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then this person explained, Nabi Sallallahu explained that, and he ate my wealth. He ate my wealth. So we take it for granted that eating somebody's wealth and we feel there will be no accountability. There will be accountability. And there will be hisab and kitab. person can get away in this world. And again I repeat, in the akhirah there is no getting away. Then Nabi Wasallam, all the grievances of it, all the plaintiffs, all the grievances Nabi Wasallam mentioned, that he did so and so to me, he did so and so to me. And especially the use of our tongue in the month of Ramadan, we deal with more talaq in the month of Ramadan than any other month. It's sad, it's ironic. But we deal with more talaq in the month of Ramadan than any other, and three talaq, three talaq. This is something that we, we have raised with the ulama, speak from the minar about this three talaq issue. Three talaq are three talaq. The marriage is broken irrevocably. A hungry man doesn't always have to be an angry man. A man has no control over himself, he just lets out talaq. And now he wants to know, he goes fatwa shopping, he goes fatwa shopping all over, it's like an online process. Trying to get the right fetch. So, 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 guarding our tongue. One is riba, one is guarding our tongue. Just saying something, blurting out something without thinking. 
and the, the consequences to face the consequences after that. فَإِنْ قَلَّقَهَا فَلَا تَحِلُّ لَهُ مِنْ بَعْدُ حَتَّى تَنْكِحَ زَوْجًا غَيْرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, you issue the third halal, that woman cannot be halal for you anymore until she marries somebody else. And that nikah is consummated. So he says, not a serious, it's not a joke. Halal is not a joke. It's a serious issue. And we need to be conscious of this. And we can't speak about halal at the time of nikah. In the time of Nukah is a happy occasion. And we can't be educating people on Talaq at the time of Nukah. So that, then Nabi Sallallahu said, this person will have to give his good deeds over to those plaintiffs who made a just a claim. He'll give his good deeds and eventually all his good deeds will be wiped out. And then there'll be more claimants and he will not have hasanat. Good deeds. Then Nabi Sallallahu explained that their bad deeds and their burdens will be lumped onto him. They'll be lumped onto him, burden upon burden, till Nabi Sallallahu explained that he'll be flung in the fire of Allah save us. He'll be flung in the fire of hell. So doing good deeds, mashallah, is excellent. All the good deeds in our life we have done, ask Allah for acceptance of those deeds. That Allah must accept those deeds. We've got no guarantee of acceptance. Get our aqidah in order. Get our sincerity in order. Get our, get our nafs in order. Let us establish ta'aluk with some kamil shaykh so we make our islah. And then we don't have jealousy and envy and we become well wishes of each and every person around us. We become well wishes of the ummah and not people who are envious. And finally, let us not make, let us not transgress hukukul ibad. One is hukukullah, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we haven't fulfilled his hukuk, we haven't made our salah, we haven't fasted, that's between us and him. We're not answerable to man for that. That's between us and him, and he can forgive who he wants. That's his right, which prerogative, he's Allah, who Allah. But hukuk al-ibad, he's not going to forgive that. That we have to go to the people who have violated, violated their rights. We have usurped their rights, we have eaten their wealth. We have hurt them. We have got bited about them. We have sworn them. Our employees in our business, how often we swear them. We haven't bought their dignity and respect and honor. We have bought their labor. Yes, we can scold them. We can reprimand them. But we don't have the right to swear them. Because swearing is unacceptable. And how often Muslim businessmen, every second word they utter is a swearing word. Every second word is a swearing word. We have to give our good deeds on the day of Qiyamah to the poor employee who was forced to work for us because of his condition. And we, Allah made us in the position of being superior to him and made him our subordinate. So we will have to answer the overtime we haven't paid our employees. We'll be accountable in the court of Allah. Overwork them and underpaid them. Are we paying our workers as we would like to be paid? If we were in their situation, Allah has given us so much of wealth. We're showing such a beautiful balance sheet at the end of the year. Have we shared that wealth with our employees? Have we sent them for hajj? Have we, have we helped them do this? Have we helped them with the medical expenses? Have, have we helped to uplift them? Have we empowered them? They worked for us. They gave their sweat and blood to make us who we are. But have we shared our wealth with them? If we make 10 million rand profit at the end of the year and we share a million rand with them, it won't dent us at all. It won't alter our lifestyle at all. Have we done that? Have we fulfilled their hukuk? Allah will value these acts that we do on the day of Qiyamah. So let us not violate the hukuk of ibad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's makhluq and creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give each and every one of us tawfiq to make amal firstly myself. Allah give me tawfiq and give each and every one of us the tawfiq and hidayah to preserve our good deeds and not to lose them in vain. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiru wa